With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Cats by 90, a podcast dedicated to you, the Big Blue Nation. Basketball, football, and the latest recruiting news. If it's Kentucky sports, then it's here on Cats by 90. Now, from SB Nation's A Sea of Blue, your hosts, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon. Welcome to a special guest segment here of the Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nation's A Sea of Blue. I'm Drew Brown, and today I'm going to be joined um, by a special guest. I was really, really excited he was able to jump on with us, but Nick Delatore is on. So how are you, my man? Thanks so much for joining us. I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, It's been a weird season for us with like the week zero game, then off week, and then, uh, you know, get, playing UT Martin. So it's I'm glad to get into SEC football, and uh, I'm always looking forward to going to Lexington. And, uh, oh, you're coming? Are you coming to the game? Yeah, yeah. I, I travel. Cool. Okay. I travel, and uh, I thought it was a hidden gem. I didn't have a lot of expectations the first time I went. I think this was my third trip to Lexington. So uh, I'll take any any recommendations for bourbon or barbecue or anything you've got. We can do it off the air. But yeah, uh, yeah fantastic, man. Well, that's cool. That that's like a perfect segue too, because before we even get into like the granular stuff about you know this particular game, um, I was just curious to kind of know. Well, um, why don't you just tell us about your work history a little bit, actually? First, like, so who do you work for now? Yeah, so I work for a website, GatorCountry.com. Um, I've been here. Uh, I, I'm, I got lucky. I was I didn't have a job lined up after college, and and uh, like two months before graduation, got a, a, a an opportunity with Gator Country, and I've been there ever since. This is my or is my seventh football season. Um, so we uh, we cover we cover everything from volleyball to baseball and um, and football, basketball. I know. Uh, Big Blue Nation enjoys their basketball, and uh, it's. I think that's one of the really cool rivalries when it comes to the basketball. Florida and Kentucky, kind of the the premier teams in the SEC. So those are always fun games that I like to go when uh, when Kentucky's down here in Gainesville. Absolutely, yeah. I've been there. I've been there several times too to the Odom, and that's on my list, man. I was making some notes um, of stuff that I'm anxious to ask you. I snuck in the bottom. I'm like, damn. I hope we have some time for some basketball because I have some. Definitely yeah. questions, and um, you're right. That's that's developed into to such a good rivalry here. But um, so that's kind of wanted to just to get to know a little bit about. So you mentioned you've been to Lexington. I guess this will be the third time. So my first mm-hmm. question and kind of perspective I want to get from you, Nick, is first year obviously that the streak doesn't dominate the headlines. Like I put on Twitter today, like I can't. My I'm 32. It was a 31 year streak, so <laughs> I was kind of the bad luck guy. And now that that's <laughs> over, um, I'm just curious. Like, so is from a Florida perspective, is this just still like same old Kentucky last year was a fluke or just what's kind of the general feeling about now, would you say coming up to play Kentucky now that the streak's over and Kentucky's actually, you know, one and oh. I think, I think from the players standpoint, they might be uh, like Kentucky fans. They got, they rolled their eyes every year. It would come and say, you know, all week would be questions. Hey, do you want, what does it mean to not be the team to lose that streak to Kentucky? And they had to, you know, 
give their, their PC answer or hear those questions all week long. And I, I said last year, I think, you know, it had gotten to the point where there's more pressure on Florida to not lose a 30 year streak. You know, if you're Kentucky, sure, you're going sure. into the game and I'm sure you don't like getting to get the questions either, but at some point it's just like, Hey man, these kids are 18 and 20 years old. They, they don't have any part of it. They haven't, you know, lost the game and none of that was their fault. So I think from the fan, from the player's perspective, they're probably happy that we're not bothering them with, with street questions this year. Um, from a fan perspective, I think they are, they're out for blood. That yeah. fans, fans would like the score to be 75 to nothing and for Dan <laughs> Mullen to call timeouts with, with, you know, 30 seconds left on the clock. Um, I don't think that's how the game is going to go. I do have some questions about Kentucky in terms of the secondary. I think I think you guys lost like all four starters and then a fifth guy that was also you know uh, basically a starter. And then I think I, th- I like what I saw from Sawyer Smith last week. Obviously, it's a small sample size, but I think losing Terry Wilson. I mean, he just murdered Florida last year with his arm and with his feet. Um, I don't think Sawyer Smith is that. Not to say he can't run, but he's not the dynamic runner that Terry Wilson is. So I trust. I mean, Mark Stoops has done an incredible job, and, and I trust Kentucky will figure some things out for Smith. But I think you do lose, you know, uh, some kind of a, a dimension of the running game that Wilson brought because he was such such a dynamic player um, in, in two facets of the game with his arm and his legs. But yeah, I think Florida's. The Florida fans are, are not happy that the streak is over. Um, but I don't think anyone's really – I don't think anyone down here says, you know, oh, this is your grandpa's Kentucky. I think there's a lot of respect for what Mark Stoops has done and what Mark Stoops has built there. Yeah, I would agree. I think that, that you know, the tides are turning. You can feel it in the SEC just in general. But um, that's good insight, though. So the fans want it to be 75-0. to zero, yeah. And I think um, that was a good point you made just about, you know, the players don't carry the weight of this – you know, rivalry like the fans do. They're not like me growing up in the state and following it. So it's kind of new to them. But um, definitely I know that um, I'm actually – I actually lived in like the Fort Myers area for um, 10 years. So I'm, I know all about the – misery. Yes, exactly. So you know, <laughs> you know why I moved back. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, yeah, so I kind of know the, the pulse of Gator fans in general. And mm-hmm. I would think that um, there's almost a little hint of embarrassment there. I know I was, I was razzing one of my buddies, and I know he's – I can just tell there's a little fear in him that like he's confident – but he does not want to lose the Kentucky two years in a row. And I'm sure that would probably echo the feelings of a lot of um, Gator fans. Yeah. And I think for a while, I mean, the last probably four or five, I mean, there was the, the overtime game where I'm pretty sure Florida didn't get the snap off in time. Correct. Um, it wasn't called. And there was some, I mean, the game in last time, last time Florida was in Lexington, just completely not covering two receivers on two plays. If you cover a receiver on two plays, the streak probably ends that year as well. Um, so for a couple of years, we've been writing it and talking about it that there used to be a talent gap in, in in between Florida and Kentucky. And I think Kentucky's really hard because there's maybe not enough kids in the state to compete with some of these teams. And then when you think of, okay, well, then what's around us? Oh, Ohio State, Penn State. Um, and you're having to compete and recruiting with all these other teams. So I think there was always a talent gap. But the, this coaching staff has done a good job of, I think closing that talent gap, not just with Florida, but with the SEC as a whole. Um, so that's a credit to them and credit to the university too. I mean, I, the last, the last time I went up there, the, the football facilities, not just football, I mean, the facilities in general, um, are, are top notch. And, and it, and it just seems like we used to call, I went to UCF, we used to call it under construction forever. And I think <laughs> Kentucky might be doing the same thing, taking the same kind of road. So yeah, it's just, 
there's not that talent gap. And I think Gator fans started to see that, maybe didn't want to admit it, but I think they definitely started to see that at least at some point. Yeah, and I'm sure that's refreshing for all of our listeners to hear because exactly how you were just going through that is at least I would think how most of the Big Blue Nation and, you know, the members of the media view Mark Stoops and the job that he's done since he's been here is kind of that closing that talent gap. Right. And essentially, um, that's nice to hear. So that's nice to hear that people, especially a team like like Florida, an upper echelon team in the SEC, that's kind of the the general feeling there. And what do you think about this, Nick? We've talked a lot, myself and my co-host, co-host Aaron Gershon, about um, I make the point continually that for the longest time, you know, especially in the SEC, but kind of anywhere, not on the West Coast, if you weren't just pipeline in Georgia, Florida, Alabama, you know, if you didn't have 25, 30 players on your roster from there, it was just probably not going to be that well for you. But Mark Stoops has kind of done the opposite with his Ohio roots. You know, he really started in Ohio and just kind of just everything hitting Ohio, that Youngstown area. And now it's even really transitioning into Michigan with Kentucky mm-hmm. signing and getting commitments from just, you know, five-star players that are, it seems like every week it's, you know, the highest rated player ever in the history of Kentucky at that position. So what are your thoughts just on that? And, you know, not that they're not getting players from the South, but just kind of that opposite strategy of um, essentially getting these kids that don't normally get those opportunities in the SEC right. to come South and do that. Well, some credit to that um, goes to just the SEC. And I mean, we there's kids that we talk to and it's just, hey, I'm, uh, I'm going to an SEC school. You know, I've got offers right. from Texas and Oklahoma and, and all these other, I just want to play ball in the SEC. Um, and and good, good for them using that brand. Another thing I see, uh, there's, it almost seems like some of these coaches use the Kentucky staff as like their recruiters because Kentucky gets offers out to these kids early. And it's like, oh, Kentucky offered somebody. Then all of a sudden, you know, a month later, they've got Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, Florida, Florida State. And you're just like, oh, Kentucky's just doing a really good job of scouting and finding kids. And whether that's in Georgia or Michigan or Ohio or uh, maybe they'll find some kid in Vermont who's been drinking (laughs) maple syrup, a big (laughs) offensive lineman. Um, But I think they've just done a really good job recruiting. And that's something I was actually talking to um, our recruiting guy, Andrew Spotty, about today. Um, and, and he mentioned, he mentioned that he's like, I don't know who it is on their staff that's in charge of it, but they're on kids early. And I think that's, that ends up being a big part of, of recruiting is it, it might not be the end all be all of, Oh, well, I got my first off from Kentucky. I'm going to go there, but it's a big relationship building thing. And, and recruiting is the lifeblood of college, of college football. So, I mean, you, you can be as good of a coach as you want if you're not recruiting, uh, and you don't have the kids to run with the Georgias or the Alabamas, you're going to lose those games. So it starts there. And I think the big thing for Kentucky is probably that they might have gotten those kids early, uh, you know, gotten offers to these kids early and then got a commitment and ended up losing them at some point in the process. I think Mark Stoops and his staff are doing a good job of now holding on to those kids. And they're not losing out those kids that were committed to Kentucky, you know, in July of their junior year. And then all of a sudden signing day comes around and they're going to Georgia or Ohio State or Penn State or going somewhere else. I think they're doing a good job of holding that. And it goes back, like I said before, that, that I think they're doing a good job of there's not that talent gap that there used to be. And right, UK now can kind of sell that dream too. I mean, Josh Allen came in as an, you know, a, mm-hmm. you know, not a very highly touted recruit. I think DeAndre Square um, this, this year and, and beyond is going to potentially fit that mold as well and become kind of a lower ranked player to come in from the north and you know, make that impact. And then, you know, for us too, Nick, here in Kentucky, I mean, the NFL draft, I think, was just a huge recruiting tool that we've never right. had at our disposal, you know, to the extent that we did this season. And 
Um, and I'm really, really, really excited to ask you this question because I asked it to a lot of people in Kentucky. And to be honest, I don't think anybody has any idea what they're talking about because this is such, um, you know, uncharted territory, at least for Kentucky. You can only compare it to other programs. But what are your thoughts? Let's say so Kentucky has a very favorable schedule this season. Let's say they just like squeak by six wins or just um, I guess Terry now kind of, you know, changes that a little bit. Let's just say they have a very mediocre season. How much do you think that'll play into their recruiting success over the last couple of years? And, and does it hurt it that much? Um, yeah, I, that was another point I wanted to, I, I would bring up. I think what, what ultimately helps, and everyone wants to talk about, you know, Clemson's got a slide and Alabama's got a barbershop and waterfalls and, uh, you know, and new Chevys for, every, uh, for everyone that signs. But um, that stuff can only take you so far. Ultimately, what you see a lot is kids want to win. They don't want to go to a school um, and, and maybe go to you know one two bowl games while they're there. So I think when you see it, and we've seen it with Florida a lot because Will Muschamp was a great recruiter. They just couldn't win games on the field. So you would get kids that would commit or be interested, but say, "Oh, but I want to see what happens on the field." So I think winning, and and, and that's what kind of I think what Stoops has done probably better than any Kentucky coach that, that has been there in my lifetime is win and create that winning atmosphere, or at least the expectation of winning. And if you start to lose that, start to slip, I think that does hurt you in recruiting. Um, I've seen it firsthand from Florida where recruiting classes have, have completely fallen apart when the team goes four and eight or, you know, four and seven and, and kids just don't want to be around that. And uh, whether it's front running and, you know, you can talk about like the Golden State Warriors and what's going on in the NBA where, hey, they're just going somewhere because they think they can win. Well, shoot, I, I, I'd rather go to Alabama and, and think that I can win a national championship than go to, you know, Townsend and, and play in the FCS. Mm-hmm. I think that's just the reality of it. So, yeah, I think there is some perspective, though. It, does Kentucky go out and without Terry Wilson and just not even look competitive against Florida and Mississippi State and Georgia um, and, and Tennessee, I think they'll be competitive against Tennessee. The University of Titanic is in, <laughs> in so. some trouble up there in Knoxville. But that's the other thing is that it's not just wins and losses. It's not black and white. It's are you competitive in those games? Is is there a vision? Is there a, a clear path? If a coach is telling you, hey, we're going to do X, Y, and Z, and I'm a player, and I don't see that on Saturdays, you can tell me, hey, well, you're the missing piece. Well, listen, coach, I, I don't think I, I think I'm great, but I don't think I'm the missing piece. I see a lot of question marks on the team. So it's not just winning and losing. It's kind of how you're doing it and what it looks like on Saturday. What are your thoughts on Nick? this, Nick? Um, so this season, does anybody have a chance, whether that be Florida or Kentucky, um, to, to catch Georgia in the SEC East? Or is this just going to be a runaway and everyone's going to be on the outside looking in at Alabama and Georgia again? I was probably one of the few that I picked Florida to win the SEC East uh, when we picked it at SC Media Days. Um, I think, to me, it, it, it's whoever wins that game in Jacksonville. Uh, I think it's November 2nd. Whoever wins that will represent the East. I mean, uh, but then again, I look at Florida's schedule, and they've got um, Tennessee, Miss, or, um, excuse me, Tennessee, LSU, um, and, and Georgia all kind of like backed up together and they have to go to LSU. I mean, it's a really tough schedule. They could end up losing a couple of games there. And my pick, you know, from July looks, looks terrible. Um, but I've seen also seen Treon Harris and Will Muschamp beat Mark Richt in Jacksonville too. So I, I, I've kind of, whatever I think I know, I throw out the window. 
uh, when it comes to that Florida Georgia game. But I, I still think, I mean, I don't know how they do it, but Kirby signs 37 five star kids a year and, and signs 75 in a recruiting class. So I don't know how they, how they do it or how their numbers work, but I think there's a, even a talent gap between Georgia and maybe Florida and the, and, you know, the rest of the SEC East. I just, I, I, I've seen some crazy things happen in that Jacksonville game and, uh, I think Florida could pull it out. This is for me. I think a lot of the my pick was that this is a really veteran Florida team, and, and if it's the any year, but I think with even within the next three for them to beat Georgia because of what they'll lose to the NFL draft um, and to graduation this year, I think this will be Florida's year to possibly do it. Well, I don't know how much you've had a chance to look at it, but Kentucky's kind of the opposite. The schedule for the Cats is just set up. I mean, it, it couldn't be really any better if you're going to play in the SEC eight home games this year they kind of had that flop with eastern michigan they were actually supposed to go there so they came to us last week in lexington so eight home games on the road at um mississippi state south carolina vandy and georgia so i mean it's set up pretty well especially with mm -hmm. you know this you know being a, another year where you at least hope to be competitive with florida on saturday so um who knows man it, it could be you know a thing to where it comes down to a game or two in your right, it probably will come down to that game in Jacksonville. But then again, Saturday is important too. So um, that's going to really, you know, set the tone as well for whoever's chasing Georgia. But so jumping into this game, I'm really, really happy that we haven't, um, we've done this whole thing like 12, 15 minutes in now, and we haven't even had to really talk too much about the injuries for both teams really, because that's dominated the headlines here. Mm -hmm. I hate that because like I was, I mentioned earlier, we're finally out of the streak talk. Um, right. and then it's injuries dominate. So biggest one, obviously Terry Wilson goes down, um, on Saturday out for the season, just really unfortunate situation. I was, I was excited for him, Nick, because he earned the right, you know, not as anyone not beaten Florida in my lifetime as a quarterback and had that crown. He earned the opportunity to try to do it two times in a row. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to have to sit on the sidelines is going to be tough, but Sawyer Smith is capable. You talked about him a little bit earlier, but how do you think that this changes the, the dynamic of the game, especially considering the just insane, you know, front line that Florida has on defense. Yeah, and it's it's not like Kentucky is throwing out a, a true freshman. This is the kid that has has experience, has starting experience, played well at Troy, um, graduated. So I'm sure he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's got a college degree, and he's had the opportunity to be in that playbook for a while. It's just he's not the. I was so impressed with Terry Wilson last year, watching him live in Gainesville. Um, that that to me was a question because it wasn't just that Florida was missing tackles. You know, Florida would like to say, oh, we gave away the game because we we're missing tackles. Like, that's not only on you. There's another guy trying to not get tackled. And I think he was successful in that and really killed Florida on some third downs with some big runs. I don't think Sawyer Smith gives Kentucky that same, um, that same, you know, big play threat with his legs. And, and I think the most difficult part is, having to figure out you can't scrap everything. You don't have two playbooks, one for each quarterback, so you can't scrap everything. So I think you're probably taking some things out against a defense that is ready, um, you know, ready for Kentucky, probably embarrassed. Uh, you know, you mentioned a little bit earlier, probably embarrassed the way that they performed and what they put on film last year. But I, I, it's tough, I think, for Kentucky to try to figure out, okay, well, he is new to the program, even though he's not a new player. He is new to the program. We're still trying to figure out what he does well. And, and the coach's main job is to put their players in positions so that they can be successful. And I think we saw it last year with Florida. 
it took the coaching staff uh, uh, maybe four weeks, five weeks to figure out exactly what positions Felipe Franks would be most successful in um, or the running back or the offensive line. So I think that's probably the biggest challenge for Kentucky this week is just figuring out, okay, well, what does he do well? And, and playing, doing it in practice is completely different than doing it in the games. You can't re- really replicate that game speed and that atmosphere and the butterflies and the nerves and the anxiousness that goes into um, a game day. So I do think it's good that can, that he's not, you know, it's not a true freshman that you're throwing in there. It's not Nick Scalzo, um, who was from one of my, my high school's rival down there. I went to St. Thomas. He went to Gibbons. So I think it'd be okay. different if you had to lean on a freshman and say, hey, good luck. It's Florida. Have fun. Um, and so it's different that you have, you know, a graduate senior, but I still think there are challenges for Kentucky to try to figure out how do we put him in the best situations because Florida, Florida does have a pass rush, um, a really good, talented front seven. Um, but and, Kentucky and, has a – Kentucky, that's going to kind of be the, the battle of the strengths of each team because I would say I mean, Kentucky's definite line. strength is, you know, their offensive line. They're stacked up there. have a couple, you know, potential, you know, SEC all team players on mm-hmm. the offensive line. So that'll be fun to watch. And, man, all we've been saying up here all week, Nick, is that we're just so glad this game's at home. <laughs> with the yeah. way the thing shook down yeah. for Sawyer Smith because I've been to the Swamp. I was there in 14 with the triple overtime, and every time I say this, like, I don't even know how opposing teams think in there, you know, much less go in and try to execute a game plan. So the game being at home is monumental in all of this, but um, all well, indications are just that Sawyer has a huge – sorry, go ahead. One thing, one thing is that Florida – so Florida, they lead the country in um, sacks, but Miami's offensive line had a redshirt freshman – Mm-hmm. And a true freshman, a tackle, and then obviously when you're playing UT Martin, uh, you know those are like the the offensive linemen they played last week are the size of the linebackers at Florida. So yes, they, they I, we do think they're talented, but is it is it some are some of those numbers inflated? Is it is it fool's gold because you haven't gone up against an offensive line uh, the caliber of Kentucky? Are they able to slow that down? You know, I, I don't do I think Florida's going to you know have 11 sacks every day against Miami or 15 through two games, you know, averaging 15, uh, 15 sacks every two games. No, I don't think so. So that'll be a really interesting matchup, uh, a veteran talented offensive line versus Florida. It'll be, this is certainly the best offensive line Florida has faced um, in, you know, in, in these three weeks. Yeah, I know that Miami's offensive line is just hot garbage. So those, those stats are a bit inflated, but, um, what about Florida's injuries is, um, so it seems like the last I've heard that Kadarius Tony is going to be out and that um, I've heard arguably the best player on Florida's team. I'd like to hear your opinion on that, too, um, the cornerback, C.J. Henderson. Is he still just listed as, as doubtful with his ankle? Yeah, so I think um, Kadarius Tony is definitely out with his shoulder injury, and he might, you know, he might not be back until the, you know, the Georgia game. Um, C.J. Henderson's a competitor. Um, he told Dan Mullen on Monday that he wanted to play, um, but he hasn't practiced either day. Um, it's a minor ankle sprain. And I think when you look, if you're looking at Florida, you think we have a couple freshmen there that are, that are good, that they're, that are capable. Kyrie Elam had an uh, interception, which was actually the first takeaway Florida's had in three weeks. Um, and then there's another kid, Jaden Hill, who's, who's there and Chester Kimbrough is from Louisiana. So I think they have what they feel is enough, uh, to go for maybe two weeks and then get CJ Henderson back. Um, when Florida hosts Tennessee in a couple weeks. So I think uh, they'll they'll try to sit CJ. I know he wants to play, but I, I would say that, yeah, he's doubtful. I wouldn't expect him to play Saturday, and, and Kadarius Tony's definitely out. Um, so Florida has – Florida's 
this is the best wide receiver room I've seen Florida have since I've been here, probably since, um, wow. probably since, you know, maybe 2008 when they had, you know, Riley Cooper and Percy Harvin and David Nelson and guys like that. Um, so I think they'll be fine replacing Copeland, uh, or, or sorry, Jacob Copeland's the guy that will be replacing Tony. I think they'll be fine replacing Tony. Uh, but I mean, CJ Henderson, there's no, there's no replacing your, you know, your, preseason all-american all sec cornerback you just find ways to you know play around it but you're not going to replace him with just one kind of with one player yeah i've heard that cj henderson's a special player and you know guys like lynn bowden i mean so from our perspective here in kentucky the recipe to beat florida now that i mean there's just going to be no margin for error it's obviously you know sawyer smith show off that big arm lynn bowden just has to have the game of his career probably which he's capable of um, you know, we didn't even get too much into Kentucky's running backs, but we have a couple potential stars in the making, you know, in the backfield with A.J. Rose and Cavassier Smoke, who's just been torching, um, it really, you know, going back to last season, his limited carries. So um, just kind of flawless offensive execution. And then obviously just keep it in check on defense because, um, you know, Kentucky's suffered a lot of preseason injuries in the secondary. and They've kind of yet to be, you know, tested. Um, last week they they did face Eastern Michigan. I think Mike Glass ended up throwing for like 340 yards. So that's still a question mark there. But Kentucky, there's just no margin for error. And um, I won't put you on the spot as we kind of wrap up here a little bit, Nick. But um, as far as the score goes, but it sounds like so. Do you expect Florida, I guess, to come up to Lexington and and start another streak of their own? Uh, well, I, I I think I would pick Florida for as long as I've been picking games. I said, you know, hey, I'll be a year late picking Kentucky because <laughs> I'm 30 years old. So I yeah, okay. I've never seen. Uh, uh, Kentucky beat Florida. I do expect, I think this is a better Florida team. And, and, uh, Felipe Franks two weeks ago said to us, um, I think the coaches were still learning our names when we played Kentucky, you know, in, in the second <laughs> week last year. So I think that it's a better Florida team. They'll be more prepared. And there's such a big difference when we were breaking down Florida and Miami. I picked Florida mainly because Miami was at, my, you know, Florida had like a 14 month advantage on where Miami was with the new coaching staff. So I think Florida's better prepared for that game. And then obviously, you know, it's, it's probably easier to come off of uh, or go into a game when you're, you've got a bad taste in your mouth. And uh, I don't think there's going to be any need to, you know, rah, rah or hype Florida up. I think they'll be ready to go. And I think this is uh, I think I would pick Florida to beat, to beat, uh, to beat Lexington, to beat Kentucky. Um, but I do expect a great atmosphere and, Yes, it's going to be so it's sold out, Nick, for sure. It's probably going to be I think it's going to be one of the best atmospheres in Kroger Field in a long time, because I think even though there was some great games there last year, mm -hmm. um, you know, it takes a while to kind of absorb that and, and realize what you're going to watch. And when, you know, teams are finally contending finally in the SEC. So I expect it to be um, pretty wild in there. The weather's supposed to be pretty nice. Um, but we also have a theory here in Kentucky that you guys will not come up here in the winter. Um, and that also mm -hmm. contributed to the streak. I actually don't buy into that at all. But um, that, that's something we said to kind of uh, lick our wounds over the past well, three decades. Leave, they don't leave the state much. But, um, I shoot, I remember I went up to two years ago. Uh, they had to go to Missouri late in November. And, my goodness, it was cold. I'm I'm from Florida, born and raised, and, and I've got thin blood. And it doesn't take much to get me cold. And it was freezing in Como. Yeah, your blood does thin out. Like I said, I lived down there for a while, and it's no joke once it does. But, um, man, I want to talk basketball with you so bad, but I know if I do, we'll be on here all night because we've got to get you back on. But um, I'm a huge Trey Mann fan. I actually um, saw him play a ton of times at the City of Palms, which I'm sure you're probably familiar with. Mm -hmm. 
And um, he let me interview him. He was one actually the first interviews I ever did in the media. His dad's always so nice to me. So they're awesome. I like wish him nothing but success. And then we definitely got to kind of talk about the the war of the spring and summer over over Kerry Blackshear. So I definitely oh, yeah. have to have you back on. Thank you so much for coming. And um, I'm, we're going to link up Saturday, man. I'll shoot you a text. And um, I'd love to meet you in person. And we'll uh, we'll hopefully enjoy ourselves, at least from my perspective. Absolutely. I'll be uh, I actually get in Thursday and uh, I'm going to be hanging out for for a couple of days and enjoying Lexington before I have to work. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I, Lexington uh, had a buddy that lived there and he kind of opened my eyes to it. So it's a nice town. I, I like visiting and uh, I'm looking forward to another trip there. I think yeah, it's been it sold out all three. So this is my third time there. This It's been sold out all three times. My first trip was when they had just finished the renovations and they had just added the new, like the recruit lounge in one of the end zones. Uh, and I remember that game was sold out. I believe that was a night game. And um, it was crazy for me. I, I, my, I was sitting right next to um, Jared Lorenzen in the press box. And, oh, wow. Uh, may he rest in peace. But I remember getting to my seat and I looked left. And I'm like, what's the hefty lefty next to me? Like, what is happening right well, that's here? That's a cool story, man. Yeah, no, he was just yeah, so, cool. so widely loved. And um, just the emotion, too, with Terry, I think, Saturday, we didn't even really talk about that at all. I think that's going to add to that atmosphere. And then, um, you know, they actually be doing that Jared Lorenzen tribute on um, against Arkansas here on October 12th. So there'll be a range of emotions now for Kentucky fans to round out this season. But we're definitely going to link up Saturday, man. I hope you enjoy your time in Kentucky. And um, we really appreciate you coming on the uh, Cats by 90 podcast. And you will definitely be a, a regular. We'll talk to you soon, Nick. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow Cats by 90 on Twitter at Cats by 90. You can also follow Aaron and Drew at agershon99 and at bigbluedrew33. And remember, no matter the opponent, it's always Cats by 90.